on the just baseball show it's monday may 2nd we're talking about the rookies because that's what we like to do we like talking about the guys that we knew when they were in that pool of irrelevancy that is minor league baseball even though it's our favorite thing to talk about jack mcfallen arm layton we're talking rookies we're also talking uh, about clayton kershaw just passed don sutton for the most strikeouts in dodger history this guy is on the short list of guys with 2700 career punch outs and I, I wonder how many of those guys are left. So we're going to get into that. Um, first and foremost, though, you were just at a pair of Mets games this weekend. Like, when was the last time you went to two games as a fan and just enjoyed? Got a beer, got a hot dog, and watched a ball game twice in the same weekend? Yeah, that's the thing. I've done a lot of the, the individual games, right? Like, I'll pop over to a Mets game or a Yankees game or whatever. But if I'm watching two out of three of a series, I'm either on a vacation somewhere that centered around baseball mm-hmm. or um, it's the Marlins or something like that. So it, I, yeah, I saw two of the Mets Phillies games. One was the no hitter, the combined no hitter. And then the other was a 13, maybe 14. I don't know. I think it was a 13 hit performance uh, on ESPN uh, to outscore the Phillies and take the series. It was a, uh, a, a fun two games. I, I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, I think it was the first time in Mets history that they had two players in the lineup with four hits or it was, it was some weird stat like that. Um, but yeah, two firsts for the Mets because I don't really count that first Johan Santana, no hitter as much as I love. Cause Johan the ball was Santana. on the line. Uh, yeah. Well, typically when chalk flies in the air, yeah, that is a result of the baseball hitting the chalk. Yeah. That's fair. But, uh, what do you think of uh, Armando Galarraga? His counts. I think they should swap him out. Yeah, even, I'm fine swapping him. Even though Galarraga was a perfect game, which is even more criminal. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, it, literally the worst thing to ever happen in baseball was Jim <laughs> Joyce. I just remember I was at the ESPYs. I was at those ESPYs. Uh, and that was when it all happened. And Galarraga, or uh, they had Jim Joyce go up there and he's just like crying just like it was, it was so yeah, it's easy just call him fucking out yeah Jim joyce yeah i'll never forget miggy's face miggy's face <laughs> and the call uh, the, the the local uh you'll probably know who was who's the broadcaster who's the play-by-play guy oh at that time. time was it mario and pemba just hearing no jim joyce no like, <laughs> like just utter disappointment from within um yeah i'll never forget that one but uh back to the kershaw point you know that guy led the league in era four times era title four times yeah that's crazy he's insane so yesterday may 1st was um the couple year anniversary i i've got it um on this date i do on this day with uh, my partner with the indians howard kelvin um on may 1st 2016 Kershaw threw a three-hit shutout against the Padres. He punched out 14. 
and the Dodgers won one nothing on an RBI single from Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> so that actually can't happen again unless Shohei Otani does it because of the universal DH. But Kershaw was that type of guy that was like, go out there, complete game, and if he has to drive in the only run of the game, he will. I mean, this guy is – I have five ERA titles here. Five? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five. Five. Yeah, you got are correct. Five ERA titles. Sorry, um, four whip titles. Four I'm more whip of a title. whip title guy. How about you like that? that? You like okay. that pivot? Two FIP titles. So he's technically overrated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he is a three-time Cy Young Award winner. He's an MVP. Uh, this guy is striking out just under 10 guys per nine for his career. He's walking just over two guys per nine over his career. Um, and he's got 2,700 punch outs. I mean, he is, he's found the fountain of youth this year somehow at the age of 34. He's what, three and oh, with a two, three, five ERA, 23 innings across four starts, 30 punch outs, and two walks. And that's vintage Kershaw. It actually is vintage Kershaw. 28 year old in 2018 or in uh, 2016, this guy had 172 strikeouts and 11 walks. And my mind immediately goes to, because I'm a pessimist, um, will we ever get this type of guy again? Um, and I, I, I am a tennis fan. Are you a tennis guy at all? Um, I enjoy tennis. I, I don't keep up to like the crazy degree, but I, I, I know, I know what I need to know, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. So like baseball, basketball are like my front two for sure. And then soccer and tennis fall next for me. That's um, just you trying to be trendy. I don't think so. It's me trying to be classy. <laughs> okay that's that's fair fair, that's fair. That's um because i'm fake classy uh just a reminder that i live in indiana so i, I can only be fake classy um yeah. but <laughs> there's no classy people in indiana oh no there's classy people i'm one of them um yeah. i'm going to see leon bridges on wednesday actually okay yeah there you go you're living a facade of of just trying to be classy come on dude i like leon bridges um but my classy sport of tennis has three of the greatest of all time that are, you know, that have their careers dwindling down, right? Federer, Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. That is kind of what we have, not to as severe a degree, but that's kind of what we have with this era of pitcher, right? We've got Kershaw, Scherzer, and Verlander dwindling down. And I think you can make a very sound argument that there is no argument that those are the three best pitchers of this generation. I think Kershaw's one, and then Scherzer and Verlander, they had different peaks, right? And, and they were teammates at one point. Um, those three are a unique blend because they are the type that can go out there and throw a complete game. Scherzer's got a 20-punch-out game, and he can throw a complete game. Verlander, I mean, you remember his MVP year in Detroit. This guy was 93 to 94 in the first, and then he was 99 to 100 in the eighth. And then Kershaw, we know what Kershaw has done. This guy has 25 complete games uh, un under his belt over a 15-year career. So I I'm curious who's left that's built like that. In terms of just being able to, to go deep into games and give you 200-plus innings most years? My, my, I guess, but those guys were also strikeout accumulators too, because I look at a Logan Webb and a Framber Valdez, they pitch to contact, they pitch to ground balls, they can go deep. Like those are the two guys that jump out as the innings accumulators, but they're not going to strike out a billion guys. It's his teammate, Walker Bueller. Yeah. I mean, Walker Bueller just went complete game. Um, and again, 10 like punch outs. That, 10 punch outs. And Bueller, the thing with Bueller, 
is he has the ability to pitch to contact when he needs to. Uh, and then he has the ability to blow you away or, or get you to chase something nasty uh, when he wants to get that strikeout. That's the thing that all these other guys had in common too, right? Like you talk about Kershaw, only two walks per nine in his career. He's always been surgical with crazy stuff. Scherzer's always been surgical with crazy stuff. DeGrom, I think DeGrom's in that conversation, obviously like just late start, which he can't control at 26 years old. And then also now have some injury issues, you know, as he gets into his thirties, but uh, another guy, crazy stuff, but spots up. So it has to be that combination of stuff and command at an elite level that I do think we'll have those people. I think Jose Fernandez would have been one of those guys because Jose would get the K's and droves, but would still get that first pitch rollover that really helped him go deeper into games. And also just had that energy where he'd get better as the start went on. I I do believe that baseball is cyclical. And I think that we've gone too far down the rabbit hole of, of five inning starts and six inning starts. And those guys are, are more valuable than they've ever been. But I still think that that the people that can go complete games, the people that can do what what these guys do will still be a premium. And uh, I mean, even if you look at Kershaw over the last five years, he has what? No complete games. Yeah. It, last, it's what's being asked of him. 2017. And that's not I think Kershaw still still has been more than capable since 2017, even though he's had some ups and downs. It's really just what these guys are being asked of. And I, I think teams are going to start to ask a little bit more of their starters again. I think we're going to get to that point for those that are capable of doing it. Obviously, if you want to mask your starters, you can justify cutting them off after five innings too. Uh, yeah. But if you realize that these guys can go seven and, and it doesn't matter that the lineup's going a third time around, do it. Yeah, I think Bueller is the answer. I, I think you're right there. Like, I think that's the only guy that can match anywhere close to the severity of accumulation that Scherzer, Verlander, and Kershaw have done where, you know, they're looking at, you know, well north of 2,500 innings and well north of 2,500 strikeouts. Verlander and Scherzer are already in the 3,000 strikeout club. And Kershaw, if he continues for another year or two, he might get to the 3,000 strikeout marker. I bet if he throws next year, if he throws a full year this year and next year, he gets to, he'll get to 3,000 punch outs, which would be massive for Kershaw. And, and that is an accumulation thing. Um, Bueller's the answer. Are there any other guys that jump out to you that could do this? Maybe not to as drastic a degree, but to a lighter measure. I, I, I really think Sandy Alcantara can do it. It's just, he's never going to be the K guy that some of these other guys are, but I think that's part of why he wants or is able to go deep in the games, right? Like he, he loves to get the ground balls. He, he still strikes out an above average amount of hitters. I mean, he so sits a hundred with a fastball. He sits a hundred with his fastball and, and has gotten better and better with the command. That's the thing. He doesn't spot quite as well as these other guys. I just watched the last start. It wasn't fantastic. It was one pitch that really changed it. Uh, they intentionally yeah. walked Abraham Toro ahead of Julio Rodriguez, which <laughs> I'll venture to say will never happen again. Never. Um, I know he's a rookie and is off to a slow start but no one will be intentionally walking to pitch to Julio Rodriguez anymore. He hit it 450 feet, by the way. Uh, He's going to get going quite soon. But my my point, though, is even when he's off, he's usually all right. But I I just don't know if he's going to get the swings and misses as some of those other guys. But I still think he could be in that department. Can I throw one more name at you and tell me if I'm crazy? Yeah. Grayson Rodriguez? Yeah, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. That I, I love that guy. And um. If for those who might not know, like Baltimore Orioles pitching prospect, 6'5", 220 pounds, 
four pitches, good command. Yeah, easily could be Grayson Rodriguez, easily. And he's young, and he's going to get an early start, and he's going he's gonna to rack up a lot of stats. Uh, and the thing that stands out the most to me about Grayson, dude, is his, his average velocity has gone up as the year endured every single year of his career. Wow. He doesn't fade. He gets stronger. So, I mean, that kind of tells you what you need to know there. That's isn't that the Verlander effect, right? The Verlander yes. effect. He gets stronger as the year goes on when usually guys Freak. don't have that offseason lifting regimen and then they get skinnier as the year goes on and then the, the fastball velocity starts to dwindle down. Um, G Rod, what I love about watching him and, and he's knocking on the door right now, um, he's our top pr- pitching prospect in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. He should debut before the All Star break this year, especially with the uh, the sparse pitching that Baltimore has. <laughs> even though they just walked off on the Boston Red Sox, who are in a terrible spot right now. By the way, I just listened to Ken Rosenthal talk about possible uh, trade opportunities for Xander Bogarts. What a mess! Stop. What a mess! Stop. Already, already, Ken and Ken Rosenthal. Like that's a guy who I just take his word as God whenever he opens. Oh his yeah. Mouth. Um, so were we, I, were we a year early on the Red Sox, uh, yes. struggles? Cause yes. this is everything I thought they were going to do last year. Correct. <laughs> and, and then this year, like even to the, to a T of the Chris sale injury early in the year, not mm-hmm. being available. Um, well, at least last year's team had some like, okay. Starters, uh, mixed in there. I think they're worse off in the pitching department. Yeah. And, like- uh, Pavetta got worse. Right. Here's my thing too, is, is without spending too much time on like a Red Sox segment, everyone keeps saying, you know, I trust Heim Bloom. He's a genius. Um, What what has Heim Bloom achieved at at the major league level one and two uh, look at the moves. They got Jackie Bradley jr. He's batting fifth, you know, and in some games he shouldn't be batting fifth or sixth ever. Um, And then also, right. Like, Okay, trust time bloom. He's going to be economical, but spend in the right spots. He's going to make all of those right moves. Uh, and the big spend was for a second baseman who isn't even performing well for a second baseman. You know, like for, for Trevor Story, that's your big spend. What about the pitching? What about what about like the outfield? Uh, which instead your move was to go get JBJ. Uh, how is that your your smart savvy move? Is just giving Trevor Story one hundred forty million dollars. And and Heim Bloom tried to make three C minus starting pitchers equal one B pitcher in Rich Hill, Michael Waka, James Paxton, and that that's not working. It's not how it works. Um, and what one more thing on Heim Bloom before we you know get back to G Rod, like Heim Bloom was never the top dog in Tampa. I want to alert everybody to that. Andrew Friedman was the top dog in Tampa, and then Eric Neander took over immediately after, if I'm not mistaken. So no, like, but but that's a sports group think, right? It's like you're great by association. I'll never oh, forget yeah. Adam Gase with Peyton Manning and how many years that bought him in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Gase with, with in Denver as the OC with Peyton Manning. It's like no, he was he was it was just Peyton Manning. It wasn't Adam Gase. He was just part of. He was just there. No, um, I listen. I saw it with Matt Nagy in Chicago. Like this was the quarterback whisper. He was the quarterback coach. Oh, there we go. Yay. And then I, there's a reason that Eric Bieniemy isn't getting hired. That's the thing right now. Everybody wants to associate with somebody. And it, it turns out that Adam Gase is willing to leave his wife's birth for a lunch with Peyton Manning. But uh, that, that is something entirely different. That's not surprising at all to me either. He's he's a nut. He's a nut job. And he's got crazy eyes. Um, But Grayson Rodriguez, just to wrap on him, crazy stuff. Like that's the type of guy that I think can accumulate the innings and the strikeouts because 
he doesn't lack command many nights. There are some no. nights where it gets away from him, but most nights, I mean, this guy is dialed in and he's got 97 with his fastball working off of three complimentary pitches. Jack, he averaged 13.67 Ks per nine and double A as a 20 year old last year and only walked 2.49. Uh, this year, he's one of the best in the minor leagues in terms of K to BB percentage. Yeah. <laughs> He's the perfect candidate, uh, and he, he could easily be the next guy to do this. Uh, let's talk rookies right now, because you just mentioned Julio Rodriguez going 450 feet off Sandy. Uh, that was a 97-mile-an-hour sinker that J-Rod turned around and sent into oblivion. He is fast, um, and yeah. we're, we're going to talk about J-Rod. We're also going to talk about you know the Sega Suzuki's of the world, and hey, maybe even the Seth Beers of the world. What do you think? <laughs> I, I love Seth Beer. Yeah. I, I actually was because we were talking, I was talking fantasy with Colby. Um, and he's like, oh, I'm looking for some guys for like not gambling advice to talk about and whatever. Um, he's like, What do you think of Seth Beer? Like, I'm not sure. And I was like, he can't do anything. But if we're talking fantasy, the one thing he can do is hit. He just can't move. He's like Albert Pujols presently. Correct. Uh, but but, you know, without the dramatic splits, like he's that unathletic. It's unbelievable. It's pretty impressive, honestly, but he can hit. And I do think he's going to carve out a nice career for himself, especially with the universal DH, just being a pretty good bat to ball with contact or with power guy. Uh, but honestly, dude, it's we're at that point where I'm looking at the rookie stuff and, and we're, we're about to put out an article of like the early rookie rankings that we're going to check in on every month uh, yep. for just baseball.com. We're at that point where it's it's almost buy or sell on some overachievers yeah. and then buy or sell on the top prospect struggles. I feel like that's always what happens through the first month. You got oh, some yeah. dude like Sheldon Noisy going off and you're like, okay, do I buy this? And then you've got somebody like Julio Rodriguez struggling and you're like, okay, am I concerned? And the answer with Noisy is not buying it. Answer with Rodriguez is I'm not concerned whatsoever. Uh, so, but it's different player to player, obviously. Yeah, no, I J Rod. Here's the thing about J Rod, and like I'm looking at Bobby Witt too. He's hitting 216 across 19 games. Bobby Witt can't hit for shit right now, but we knew that there was going to be an acclimatization process for Bobby Witt. I think we knew that there was going to be one to a certain degree with Julio Rodriguez, and then just with anecdotal information that we knew about Torque, he wasn't going to play well in the first month of the season because it's cold outside, and he's from Northern California, went to college in Tempe, Arizona. Um, we were right about a lot of that. J-Rod through 21 games is hitting 234 with a 630 OPS, but he's got 30 punch outs. This guy has the worst luck with called third strike calls I've ever seen. Um, I want to start with him being nine for nine on the bags, though. 21 <laughs> games. He's nine for nine in the stolen bases. Yeah, and, and also, let me say one thing before we get into it. He didn't crack the top five rookies, which is, which is crazy. But I know he started slow. He's heating up now. Probably if we do it in a week, I'm sure I'll get yelled at in a week because he'll be hitting two, 280 by the end of the week. And yeah. people will be like, oh, you know, where, where the hell is Julio? Um, but right now, you, you just can't put him ahead of the other five guys we're going we're gonna to get to. Uh, but 99th percentile in sprint speed, uh, it, which is wild because, you know, we, we've talked about him. Uh, if you look at all of the scouting write-ups, if you look at all of the reports, not one scout was willing to put a plus speed. Uh, you know, they weren't willing to stand behind that kind of grade for him. He was a 55 runner. Uh, some even 50. I, I, I'm surprised that we were that off on his speed because 
He's a 70 runner. He's yeah. one of the fastest players in Major League Baseball. I saw it. I was just watching the Marlins series. He rolled over on a chopper to third. That, to me, the 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 body language from from Wendell. It was one of those where it was like do or die. And if I can't if I can't make the play, I'm just going to eat it. And that's the kind of thing you only see from the the elite of the elite speed up the line. Yeah. Now the players know it. I, I can tell as well, just seeing J-Rod operate. And here's the thing about rookies. They tend to not half-ass it on the base pads, which I love. You remember Bryce Harper's MLB debut? He just rolled one right back to the pitcher's mound and got beat to the bag by half a step because of a lazy throw on a 1-3 putout. Bryce Harper was busting it for 90 feet. And now you'll never catch Bryce Harper dead doing that. But a lot of these guys want to prove that they are athletes and, and they want to leg out that infield single if they can. And that's what J-Rod's doing for sure. But if this guy never stops doing that, he's going to have a lot of infield singles. He's going to have a lot of those where guys just give up on that. I mean, he is too fast for every scouting report, like you mentioned. But um, you're right. I saw that infield single and Wendell legitimately looked like he had no shot. Which was very yeah, interesting like, to see from Joey Wendell. Yeah, he's one of the best defenders out there. And like, usually you're going for the bare hand, do or die play. And it was like, I'm going to, by the time I bare handed, I look up, he's, he's at first base. And uh, that opens a different world because you're stealing 15, 20 hits a year. That's a, that's a big difference in the batting average department. And honestly, that's part of the reason why Tatis is able to hedge some of his swing and miss is yeah. that Tatis gets away with his infield hits too. The guy freaking flies and, when he chops one into the ground, that's a hit. So some of his misses become hits, and then he has the capability of going 450. And we saw J-Rod do that uh, in the last game. He's got the off-the-charts power that he's going to tap into, but the athleticism was slept on. And you talked about the bad luck. You teased that earlier. I always think that that's a BS, like confirmation bias thing, because if you're looking for an excuse for a player, you're going to be looking more at those things. And baseball is full of those unlucky unfortunate things i've never seen anybody on on a kind of run of bad luck like julio rodriguez is whether it's adolis garcia becoming superman in center uh whether it's the the egregious amount of of just not really missed called third strikes on him it's it's pretty wild and and then also like just just getting robbed barrels if you look at the barrels he's barreling the baseball up as much as anybody like he's been really good uh overall yes he's striking out but the sample size is so small that even if you said eight of those calls were four of them were justified. If you subtract four strikeouts from his 85 plate appearances right now, that would drop his strikeout rate by about 6% and would put him right under 30. And we'd be like, Oh, he's not that bad. (laughs) So it kind of shows you how in this kind of sample size, those four calls can make a difference. Yeah. What do you make of the approach though? I think he's trying to figure himself out. You know, there's part of him. I see a guy that's trying to hit at 450, but I also see a guy that at times is realizing I can chop it into the freaking ground and beat it out. Um, I don't think he looks like he's expanding the zone an egregious amount. I mean, I think he looks like a normal rookie right now. Um, So I'm not really concerned about it. And with his bat to ball, I think he'll be just fine. I think he's just trying to figure that out. Like, is he the guy that's trying to hit bombs all the time? Or is he the guy that in the minors – hit three something every year and tried to lean into that a little bit more too. And the, the home runs will naturally come. Yeah. Before we get into your top five rookies through the first month of the year, who just missed aside from Julio. So that's the crazy thing, man. Like not that many people. 
it, the, the rookie situation is, is like not great right now. Um, there weren't that many guys. I, I look at noisy. That's someone that I guess technically just missed. And I was like, do I have to put him on? Not really. Um, but he just missed with Oakland. He's 27, uh, but he's hitting 328, 400, 463. There we go. Uh, but I, like technically speaking, I guess he should be on there, but yeah. I'm not booting Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I'm not booting some of these other guys. So that was really it for me. Uh, you look at a lot of these other rookies. They have Bobby Witt hasn't been great. Um, Torkelson, I guess, technically just misses, but hasn't really been that great. Torque's uh, hitting a buck 90. Yeah. He, well, WRC plus is slightly above average. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, there weren't really that many like, oof, really struggling to omit this guy. It's just not really the case. There's, it's polarizing with the rookies right now. Yeah, it is. Let's let's get into the top five though. So Mackenzie Gore is number five. Yeah. Um, and you know you could probably make the case for him to be a little bit higher. I just look at three starts of five innings apiece, and you know to to get him ahead of some of these other guys, I just think there need to be a little bit more. But he's been better every start we've seen out there, man. I mean, I know you've been watching closely. Yeah. Um, five innings, ten Ks last time out there. Dominating with the fastball is what's really impressive. He's throwing it 60-something percent of the time, and no one's hitting it. And he's mixing in the secondaries. His command is good. I mean, what a development for the Padres. What a development for Mackenzie Gore, who's had a roller coaster you know, of, of a calendar year. No-brainer for me uh, to be a top-five guy. And he's, I think you know, by the time we do it again next month, could force his way towards the top and actually be a, a Rookie of the Year candidate. I, I think he's a legitimate rookie of the year candidate. Um, Mackenzie Gore, and you mentioned dominating with the fastball. He's throwing it 65% of the time. So through his first handful of starts in a big league uniform, he's thrown 174 seam fastballs. He's thrown 48 sliders, 34 curveballs, and 11 changeups. I think the slider and the changeup are his two best pitches, but he's living off of the fastball right now. The curveball, he's thrown 34 times. There's a single and a double off of it. So, like, it's not getting put in play, but when it is put in play, there's some damage against it because guys can sit. It's one of those slower curveballs, like we talked about with Liberator, that should be getting phased out at this era of Major League Baseball because it's the power curve that is making its way back in that, you know, gets success. That looping curveball, it's it's easily telegraphed, right? It's like a quarterback, you know, looking at the guy Mm -hmm. that he's going to throw the football to. But in the right spots, it's great. Yes, exactly. And Gore, for the most part, throws it in the right spots. Two hits, 34 pitches, you know, off that curveball. Um, the slider is really strong, but he's living off that fastball. And the velo is a lot more lively than I thought the fastball was going to be. It's sitting 95. I thought he was going to be a 93 to 95 guy. He's 95 to 97 right now, which is very fascinating. And he, what I love about him is when he's right, obviously I saw him when he wasn't right last year, but when he's right, he can put the fastball up and out, up and in, low and out, low and in. He can paint corners. He can live on the top of the zone. If you look at the K zone, like that horizontal line on top of that imaginary K zone, that dude can pepper left to right at the top. He throws a high fastball better than any other rookie right now. Um, And if he has to live off that fastball, so be it. It's a good enough fastball. What I want to see the next step for him be that'll make him a rookie of the year front runner is incorporating that slider and that change up a lot more. And if he can turn into that four pitch mix guy, I think this dude is borderline unhittable. 
I agree. And the one thing I will say though, dude, is what's a better confidence builder than, Hey, I can use my fastball two thirds of the time in my, in the early going here and succeed. You know, you have a lot of rookies that are nibbling when they first yeah. come up and, and you know, you got to be perfect or whatever. Like right now, Gore has not even been excellent with his secondary stuff. Hasn't even needed to be, and is having success. That's got to build confidence about attacking the zone. Yeah, what I will say is there's only one greater confidence builder for somebody to open their major league career, and that's seeing the Cincinnati Reds in two of your first three mm-hmm. starts. That's a major confidence builder. That honestly like, was part of it, too. I mean, we're talking about a team that cannot touch lefties. Uh, and we're going to get to a can't guy touch that I baseballs, think, dude. They yeah, can't well, touch baseballs, baseballs. period. Uh, and then on top of that, lefties. Um, I'm going to push back on the high fastball thing because there's a rookie we're going to get to that I think might be one of the better in the game at maximizing his fastball that way. Uh, but Mackenzie Gore, to your point, has really not only improved the the location of it, the the shape, the release, repeating it all, repeating the arm slot across all of his pitches. That's why I think the secondary stuff's really going to, to play up. Uh, and, and I'm interested to see what, when he starts to dial into it. Because as you mentioned, when he's against the Reds here, he said, here's, here's my fastball. Try and hit it. You guys stink. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. Attack him. Uh, but I want to see him against you know a loaded lineup where he has to go second time through change up the sequence, go to the slider more, go to the change up more, go to the curveball more um, and see how he pitches. But without a doubt, top five rookie thus far, which is pretty crazy to say, you know, what if I told you last year in the midst of everything that we were going to rank our top five rookies through the first month, Bobby Witt wouldn't be on it. Julio Rodriguez wouldn't be on it. And Mackenzie Gore would be. So if you told me on May 2nd, I would have believed you. But if you told me on July 2nd, I would have said, no, this guy mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. And not only shot, or at least just no way he's where where the other guys are going to be, right? Yeah. And and he's right now doing better than them, hey, uh, we, which, which is we impressive. We do have spin data on Gore, though, real quick, before we move off of him. Less than 2,200 RPMs on the fastball and less than 2,000 RPMs on the slider. Are you at all concerned about that? So normally, I, like, that's something I would be, but he seems like one of those unique guys that just has, has his unique shape and – it works. Like you look at it, Ian Anderson, he's almost so far on the low end of the spectrum with low spin. Sometimes it, it doesn't really impact the characteristics of the fastball. And I think with Gore, that's, that's the case. I think if, if his slider was extremely high spin and his fastball was low spin, then it would be a problem because it's easy to read the different pitches out of the hand, but it's kind of low spin across the arsenal. It's just the way he ticks. And I'm, I, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Because like, if, if you're average, then that's that classic dead zone fastball. But if you're on the lower end, like that can function in a solid way no, for you. I'm as well. working. I'm working on a paper, like a paper, on a piece, <laughs> on a, a paper, a paper. I'm it's writing like a, a book report. <laughs> it basically is. Some of these things are book reports on actually the value of low spin. And I know that San Francisco Giants have leaned into this a little bit. Uh, there is a value of low spin. I think it's uniformity across your arsenal, which is also very important. And, and Gore has that uh, yeah. without a doubt. Um, I'm going to turn it on you with the rookies because I haven't finalized this. We haven't published as of the time we're recording this have not published uh, the top five yet. I have the five selected, but you could justify shuffling things around a little bit. And I, I want to ask you this. I think say Suzuki's, Clearly going to be number one here, right? Yes. Yes. Um, Stephen Kwan, Jeremy Pena, and Joe Ryan. 
are the three other guys to rank. I find it extremely difficult because Joe Ryan has been absolutely phenomenal. I think you can make the case for Joe Ryan to be two, but Stephen Kwan is hitting 353. Yes. With, with limited impact, but 350 freaking three, at least last time I checked in and Jeremy Pena, his average has taken a hit, but he's playing plus plus defense at short. He's hitting for power. uh, And he still is hitting. Well, Uh, if you look at war, he's, he's off the charts for rookies. I think he's pacing rookies. How do you rank those three? Because Joe Ryan has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, to the tune of a one one seven ERA in four starts. Yeah. So how do you how do you rank those guys? So I look at sustainability of, of what's going on right now, right? And and three fifty four is not sustainable for Quan. A nine sixty OPS is not sustainable for Quan. Um, so I'd have him at four. I think among Joe Ryan and Jeremy Pena. Joe Ryan is not a, you know, a sub two ERA guy this year, but Joe Ryan's a really good pitcher and he's the best pitcher the Minnesota twins have. Pena is very, very strong. I would lean with Joe Ryan at two, because I think Joe Ryan is going to be more of that impact rookie than Pena is because Pena it's can safer. hide. It's, it's safer. Um, and you know what? I'm a sissy. So there we go. Um, I, I think Ryan is two for me because I believe that Ryan will be the one for the twins by the all-star break. And he'll be the one for the twins for the, you know, the duration of his rookie deal. So for the next six years for, for Minnesota, um, Pena, like I'm worried he's going to hit a cold stretch at the plate. He kind of is a little bit. It's, yeah. It's, he showed, but every time I think he's going to hit a cold stretch, he, he has a good game. And so like, but it, it's just, it's a little bit more two bad games and a good game. Uh, but here's the thing with Pena is when he hits a cold stretch, he's still giving you value with the glove. And yes. and that's what makes him such a good rookie is, I mean, he's already accumulated one F war. I mean, that is phenomenal. Right? We're talking 21 games into the season. He, I don't think he's going to keep it up the whole year, obviously, but it's very feasible that he, we will finish the year and Jeremy Pena will cruise to a five F war as a rookie. Um, even if he, even if his offense takes a hit, uh, that's, Incredible. Uh, and, and that to me is re- really stands out. He just looks like a big leaguer too. He's hit four home runs. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. He's getting babbipped a little bit. 235 babbip is definitely unfortunate. And yeah. I don't expect that to stay that way with a guy that has plus speed. Uh, but I, I, I agree with those rankings because I was thinking about it more and I was like, okay, how do you gauge the value of somebody like Stephen Kwan? So that's who, who we'll get into it for. Like, He's hitting unbelievably well, and I think he's going to finish the year with an, a batting average above 300. But is that just not? It's just not as valuable anymore, right? Like, uh, is that part of it too? I guess, but like, I also love batting averages north of 300. Um, Quan, I I look at the track record, right? Because we know that he had that insane start to the year. Went one for two in his debut with two walks, and then he went two for three with a walk. And then he went five for five in game three. You know, this was all uh, at Kauffman Stadium against Kansas City first weekend of the season. And it was Quan mania. And then he went very cold, right? He had a stretch of three games where he was hitless. uh, But then he went on a mini four game hit streak. And then he had a multi hit day. Then he was hitless his next two. Then he had a multi hit day uh, on April 30. That was on Saturday. So like Quan, it's it's either he gives me a two for four day or you know, I might not be getting much out of Stephen Kwan. And, well, and, and that's, it's yeah. a sample size thing too, right? Because again, like almost a third of his hits came from one game. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I, I think Quan's going to be a really good big leaguer for a long time, but he's not hitting 340. No, I don't know. He's, you know, he's probably 300, you're hoping to 310. And then how much impact is there? What I love is, is the ability to walk, as you mentioned. That always is going to give him a ton of value. Uh, when you're an above average runner who's getting on base at a, at a high clip, of course, that's valuable. Uh, he's a good defender. There's a lot to like about Stephen Kwan. Um, but again, looking at how much he can help and impact a team compared to Joe Ryan, Jeremy Pena, uh, probably just not quite there, right? No, not quite there. Um, he is a solid outfielder. I like his ability to play all three outfield positions in a solid manner. But, I mean, another thing that I really like about him, nine walks, six punch outs through his first 16 career big league games. So uh, this is a guy that's not going to punch out. He's going to walk more than Nick Madrigal, and he's going to put harder contact on the ball than Nick Madrigal and David Fletcher, which is exactly what you want. If you were going to have David Fletcher or Nick Madrigal, just slam the upgrade button and go get Stephen Kwan. Exactly. Uh, but even then, I, I don't think an upgrade from David Fletcher is as valuable as a gold glove caliber shortstop that can hit 20 home runs or the number one in your rotation. Absolutely. But, but thus far, if you're ranking based on performance, has Kwan not been better than Jeremy Pena? Oh. F4 would say Pena. By point two, I think Pena has been better just because and I think the stage matters too, right? Like he's he's overtaking Carlos Correa or overtaking, not overtaking, but replacing Carlos Correa at shortstop for a team that's expected to be a World Series contender. And he's playing a huge part in that playing really well. Yeah. Is he their highest F4 guy? Is he Houston's highest F4 guy to this point? I would almost say for sure. Yes. There we go. I'd, I'd be floored if somebody had a hire. I have in front of me right now. He is Houston's highest F4 guy right now. There we go. He's 18th in baseball. Who's he oh. right in front of? Max Kepler. <laughs> Joey Wendell. Yeah. Freddie Freeman. Okay. Willie Adamas. Juan Soto. Brian Hayes. There we go. I mean, it, it, it's early, but like the guys ahead of him real quick. Austin Riley, Xander Bogarts, George Springer, Ty France, Anthony Rizzo, CJ Crown, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, Tommy Edmund, Aaron Judge, Eric Hosmer. That's an outlier, obviously. That that hurts the argument. Yeah. Um, Wander Franco, JP Crawford, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado. These are all guys that are like supposed to be there. So it it's early, but it's it's enough of a sample size to to kind of just use the classic what company is he with? And it's good company, and there's not that many crazy outliers along there with him. So it's pretty justifiable that, that he goes in at, uh, you know, where we have him. So that would put Pena ahead of Quan, who we had at four. And then you say Pena, then Joe Ryan, right? That's where I line up on Correct. this still. Yes. Because Joe Ryan has been phenomenal. So we'll talk a little bit more about, about Pena, and then we'll get into Joe Ryan. Um, Pena, what, what stands out to me, and the big reason why ahead of the season I was saying – you know, I, I think I think the Astros are going to roll with him is that he doesn't need, as we mentioned, he doesn't need to hit to be a valuable shortstop for you, uh, which takes some pressure off of him. And that's what I think is going to help him throughout the, the duration of the season is uh, even when he's hitting uh, subpar, he's going to play plus defense, accumulate war, uh, just be valuable, uh, be good on the base paths, uh, run into a home run here or there. And. I think when we look back, even if the batting average is a tad low, 
He's going to have 20 plus home runs. He's going to play a fantastic defense. He's going to steal some bags. He's you're going to look back and say, what a great rookie season. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, you, you say that he could run into a home run here or there. He's run into four already in 21 games. And this guy, he's got 16 hits. Eight of his hits are for extra bases. So he has the ability to do damage. Now, those are the pros. The cons are he's hitting 211, and he struck out 22 times in 21 games. You're not asking him to be Carlos Correa at the plate. And so far, he's been better than Carlos Correa. Which um, is crazy. Which is, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But um, Pena, like, I don't think he's going to be this bad with the batting average and the swing and miss, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's 230 with a 32% K rate. But as long as he's giving you some pop, 20 homer pop, and he's giving you the opportunity to win games, and he's been a clutch performer to this point, along with gold glove caliber defense, I, I think this is a very impactful rookie. And, and again, another guy that's had some bad luck, you look at the barrel percentage, 86th percentile. Uh, sprint speed, he flies also. He's a 96th percentile sprint speed guy who, by the way, got mostly 55 grades for his speed. We gave him 60, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it, what, what I like about Pena there is there's no way a guy with plus speed is going to be a 230 BABIP guy, yeah. right? So there's room for that batting average to just naturally improve. Um, that's something that I, I think is going to help a lot also. It's that combination of, power and speed that for the same reasons we were, we were gassing up Julio. He's not quite on that level, but he's going to get his free hits there too. Uh, I, I think he's going to finish extremely strong. Uh, and I think he's going to get better as the year goes on. Uh, he's a smart player. He's a heady player. He gets a lot of, you know, high marks for the way he approaches the game. And again, I mean, the defense has been just off the charts. He, he's, he's going to, he could easily win the rookie of the year. He could, um, but I think this pitcher is probably the front runner of the AL right now. Yeah, Joe Ryan, man. Joe freaking Ryan. Uh, another rare raise mistake, I would say. At this point, it looks like it's a mistake. I know they don't desperately need him, but there's not a team that doesn't need a Joe Ryan. Yeah. Um, he was traded in that Nelson Cruz deal, and we, we talked about it, you know, in the Nelson Cruz deal. The reason why the Rays were willing to give up a little bit more quality was that they had a 40-man roster crunch. And Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman were both 40-man roster guys. So they would prefer to trade the 40-man guy who's slightly better than the prospect because they needed to clear up the 40-man spot. Right. The, this wasn't the guy to trade. <laughs> this no. just was not the guy to trade. He is phenomenal Colby Olson I got to give a nod to him Colby has been on Joe Ryan since since you know he was in the minor leagues way down there yeah. uh, he spots up he has a phenomenal profile to his fastball and even though the fastball is really 92 to 93 for high spin a ton of riding action to it meaning like it has that desired you know rising effect another guy that's not off the charts you know in terms of of spin rate but the spin efficiency is what's really impressive and, and just it just zooms through barrels 103 expected or 103 batting average on the fastball this year 31 yep. percent whiff rate he throws what a lot of guys will call is an invisible which nestor cortez has a similar benefit from just the profile the release point the way it works off of the arsenal it, it just it's just hard to pick up his heater and i mean that's one of the best whiff rates in baseball off of a four-seamer 
Yeah, you want to talk about Babbitt. Batting average on balls in play, when opponents are putting Joe Ryan's fastball in play right now, they're hitting 077. That doesn't happen to fastballs. That shouldn't happen to fastballs. Usually, if you put a fastball in play, you can hit it hard. Nobody's hitting this hard, and nobody's hitting it well. And you mentioned that invisible effect where it's got rising action. He gets a good fly ball rate on it. Fly ball rate's north of 50%. So he, he's getting weak contact in the air. And especially with this dead baseball that we're yep. seeing right now. I mean, listen, that might be the recipe for success right here. Yeah, it's 90 to 92 for the most part. But if he can elevate it, if he can locate top of the zone across that horizontal lane on top of that, you know, imaginary strike zone that we're talking about, and he gets weak contact in the air. I mean, no wonder he's got a sub one five ERA right now. And he also has a sub 200 batting average on all of his offerings. Uh, the slider, he goes to 30% of the time, 185 batting average. Changeup, he goes to 10% of the time and, and heavy against lefties, 167 batting average. And it all works off of that f- fastball with the rising action. A slider that tunnels, you know, exactly, yep. you know, with that pitch. So out, out of the hand, you don't, you can't differentiate it. And then last minute, boom, it's, it's breaking away from you. Uh, if you're if you're a righty or it's you know fading away from you if, it, if if you're a lefty with the change up that that is super super hard to teach uh almost borderline unteachable and joe ryan maximized it when he was more <clears throat> excuse me like 90 to 92 and didn't quite have the secondary stuff now the stuff is ticked up the command continues to improve yeah. and and he's he's going to be here for a while did you um did you see the map that Codify put out our guy Michael Fisher on on Kershaw's release points? Like no, pitching, I have not. pitching ninja overlaid a fastball and a slider from him, and you can't tell that they're different videos because he himself looks exactly the same from wind up to follow through. And then Codify put out um, like a scatter plot of all the release points on his pitches, and it is pretty much one dot. Like it is all coming from the same exact arm slot. So you want to look at master tunneler. It's Clayton freaking Kershaw. Uh, But Joe Ryan, he tunnels the slider off the fastball really well. And like tunneling is obviously the, the, the niche word to use, right? That's the baseball circle. Like, Oh, you know, you know, you just slam the tunnel button whenever you want to talk about somebody's ability to, to throw multiple pitches. But Ryan, what I love about his slider is it's not that brash, it moves crazy horizontally thing. It doesn't sweep. It's a tighter slider. It doesn't get crazy movement on it, but it works off the fastball where it just drops vertically and you'll get a lot of swings over the top of it. And again, that's what you want, right? Because if it was more of that sweeper, you would differentiate it more uh, from the fastball. It, it would, you'd be able to differentiate it easier with, with that drop that it has. Uh, it's more of that like gyro type of break that is extremely effective when you have the high spin fastball. And that's where tunneling actually is a specific case here with somebody like him. And that, that's naturally going to make the change up play up. Cause that's a, that's a vertically dropping pitch. Uh, so when you have that arsenal playing off of it, it, you're in wonderful shape, go to, go to Joe Ryan's baseball savant page and look at the zones. Uh, if you're listening and you have like access to this, look at the four seam heat map where he locates that. And then look at the slider and change up heat map. It's a nightmare for hitters because you can't tell whether it's going to be going up towards your letters, you know, at the top of the strike zone, or if it's going to be going down towards your knees until the final 20 feet. And at that point it's too late 
And that's why hitters are having a horrible time with Joe Ryan right now. And he's locating extremely well. Uh, the heat maps are really fun to look at. Yeah, they're very fun to look at. And I mean, you look at the changeup too. small sample size, again, 33 total pitches, but he's living bottom of the zone. He hasn't made any mistakes with the changeup yet, which is phenomenal. If you don't make mistakes with the changeup, the changeup's going to be really good. A changeup is only ever not good when you make mistakes and when you leave it up in the zone, when you don't have a Giolito type changeup where somehow it's still not hittable. Exactly. Exactly. And that was something I was watching with like Sandy the other day. Um, he was going right on right with the change and just it's 92. So <laughs> you can get away with it, but somebody like Joe Ryan, he has to locate and, and he's been locating extremely well. I will say like to wrap up on the rookies though, by the time we do this again next month, I'm almost positive, you know, Julio Rodriguez will be in here. Yes. Bobby Witt's a little banged up. We might not see him, but MJ Melendez just got called up Yeah. for the Royals. I, congratulations to him. Much deserved. I, I think he could, he could sneak his way in here. Like I, there's a chance that he struggles, but there's a legitimate chance. I mean, would you be surprised if MJ Melendez comes out and, and just rakes to start the year? No, for, I wouldn't for his, be for his big league career. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest, but I think a lot of value to MJ is defensively. And he's not going to get much defensive run with Sal Perez there. No, no, it's going to be a, a lot of DHing. Um, and that's, that's the struggle as a, as a rookie DH is, you know, how much, how much value can you really assert, but with how bad these rookie uh, guys have been offensively, he doesn't need to light the world on fire to kind of throw his name in the hat here. So it should be interesting to see how he does out of the gate. Uh, but one heck of a hitter. And, and for fantasy purposes, uh, I, I'd pick up, if it's a deep <laughs> league, I'd pick up MJ Melendez. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the other thing, and again, just like, I know this is a tired act, but just another petition to have Sal Perez be the DH because MJ <laughs> Melendez is such a better defender. Oh, yeah. He, he's got a plus-plus arm. Um, you know, he, he he's going to give you a ton of defensive value. I love Sal still catching, but how about they just split it up? Just split, yeah, it just split it. Sal can catch four games. MJ can catch three games. Come on, like get him off his feet. Let him relax for a little bit, like later coffee than typical. Cause he doesn't have to go to the bullpen. Like, <laughs> come on, this will be nice for Sal. And, and he can help MJ develop behind yeah. the dish. I mean, that, that'll be, that would be very, very cool. hundred percent. So we got say a one, right? Yeah. We got say a one. And I mean, you, you can't rank anybody else, right? Who's been more impressive than say a freaking Suzuki this far? Nobody. The guy, the guy's doing everything. He's hitting for power, but he's, his approach at the plate is what really stood out to me the most. I always get concerned about players coming over from, you know, the Cuban league or Japan or Korea, and they see a, a stateside slider, you know, and I know there's guys that can throw breaking balls in other leagues, but there's when you see a big league slider, it's just different. And I always wonder how those, how, how some hitters are going to react to that. Say has been just fine. Like yeah. he's striking out 27% of the time, which is, which is palatable, yeah. but he's walking 16% of the time to offset that. So to me, you know, a 12% K or 11 and change percent K minus BB is not concerning whatsoever. He has four home runs. Uh, he's playing good defense. Say Suzuki is the far and away the rookie of the year uh, so far in the early going in the National League. It's not close. And, and the one guy that we were talking about in the preseason that was, you know, splitting the odds on favorite marker was, say, uh, O'Neill Cruz. I, I've been watching him for a month and he's hitting under 200 and he's striking out left and right. So uh, he needs a lot more time in Indy. 
Um, so it is Seiya Suzuki's, and I think we can already give it to him. Uh, I just thought it was funny because I watched his spring training debut, and he struck out on three pitches. And I, I immediately went on Twitter because I love the negative energy. I feed off the negative energy at Twitter. So I go, and I just refresh my feed, and I see, oh, God, we just wasted $100 million. <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Seiya uh, Suzuki, this guy's hammering the baseball consistently. He's fast as shit. I don't think a lot of people yeah. realize that he's fast as shit. It's, the defense is going to get better and better. I, talk about a difference in terms of reading. You, you have to read balls off the bat of guys that hit the ball harder than anyone you've ever seen. Yeah. The, the speed will translate into defense soon. A hundred percent. And this guy is not swinging at pitches outside the strike zone. His in-zone contact is not that good right now, it's fine. Um, but it's, it's going to get a little bit better, but this dude is in the 94th percentile in chase rate. He doesn't swing at bad pitches, and that's why he's walking 16% of the time. We see a 930 OPS for him right now. It could be around 900. He's an impact bat already. And this is what with some of the players that come over. There's no in between, right? Like some of these guys, they have several years under their belt at a high level in Japan. And I mean, we saw Ichiro, you know, take the league by storm right away. Uh, we see players come over and, and sometimes they're more than ready. And, and I think say is just that perfect example. He had the body of work in the minor or, or in Japan yeah. really showed that off and, and it's translated really well. What I'll say about the zone contact is you don't need to be a, an elite zone contact guy to be an elite hitter. If you make elite swing decisions, Mike right. Trout has never been a 90% zone contact guy. In fact, in his career, some of his best seasons, his zone contact is at the 84, 85th percentile or 84, 84% rate, which would yeah. put him, you know, honestly, just slightly above average. Right. League average around 82%. But if you're not chasing and you have high quality of contact, which we know Mike Trout does, say Suzuki is in that same department and you know who he idolizes. It's Mike freaking Trout. So what Saya does is he picks his spots. He knows that he's going to swing and miss sometimes on pitches in the zone but he knows he's going to crush them enough and he's not going to give the pitcher anything uh, that they didn't earn. And yeah. that's kind of a page out of Mike Trout's book and it'll be sustainable for success. There's guys that can get away with some zone swing and miss and say Suzuki is one of those without a doubt in my mind. Well, and there's benefit to not having a crazy high zone contact rate too. And we talk about it with prospects all the time where the hit tool is so good that you know, they decide to, you know, swing at the first pitch they see and it might not be in the wheelhouse. And then all of a sudden it's it's a rollover and they they put themselves into, you know, shittier batted ball situations just because they're so good at making contact. It's kind of yeah. nice when you swing and miss through a pitch that isn't yours. What it boils down to is a 2-0, a 2-0 daddy hack. I'd rather it be a swing and a miss than a 2-0 hack where it was a rollover on a pitch just off the corner. And now you're out. Yep. Other guy is back in on a two, one count. You know, the other guy's walking back to the dugout. Yep. And that's the difference. And Saya seems to be, have that nuanced ability already. Uh, he's going to be a good player for a long time. It's really tough when you're gauging these players, you know, coming over and you're, you're supposed to give them a five-year deal. And I thought it was kind of interesting that the Cubs did it, but great move by the Cubs now because, they're, they they kind of have one of their main franchise cornerstones as they enter this next this next phase uh, of Chicago Cubs baseball, which we know they're not interested in the full teardown. Uh, and and I think the Seiya Suzuki performance can really galvanize them to to expedite 
this restructuring that they're doing over there in Chicago. Yeah, who's joining them? I have no idea, uh, but it, we shall see. Uh, Marcus Stroman threw a, threw a solid game this weekend. Congratulations Obviously. to the uh, birthday boy. Obviously, as soon as we shit on him, he he throws really well. Um, the hate Hendricks, fuels him. You know exactly, that. exactly. Uh, but Hendricks isn't throwing well. I just saw Iowa. That roster is not good right now. I mean, they're they're prospects. Brandon Davis, by the way, is so far in his own head right now. It's, I'm sure it's brutal. The strikeout rates through the roof at the moment. Got some a lot of baseball cards of Brennan Davis's at home in Florida that I might need to throw on eBay at some point. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he looked like he was starting to bounce back at the end of the series, but at the beginning of the series, it was obvious he was just pressing. But yeah, I, I think a lot of those guys are in low A and high A for the Cubs, and they've got say for five years, so he's gonna be a part of a young core when he's 30. So how about that? Um, all right, what else we got? I think that's it, right? That's it. Boom. Check out our boys at loop. Yeah. Loop.cards slash just baseball. Uh, that link is in the description. If you want to download the app, I actually just, I was stuck on the subway yesterday going back from the Mets game. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those where it was just like delayed. I don't understand how a subway can be delayed. I don't get how that works. Yeah. Uh, but it was delayed. And I, I, embarrassingly spent $300 on loop on the subway. Not um, embarrassing at all. 2019 draft, 2019 Bowman draft. That's a sick class. Who'd you so pull? I, I got a couple of Riley green base cards nice. and then I got an autograph, Kendall Williams, that pitcher autographs kind of stink. I can't lie. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was, I was amped with the Riley green autograph. Uh, or I, I wish autograph Riley green yeah. base card, Josh young, uh, Chrome card as well, which I think he's going to be phenomenal when he comes back. So a lot of really solid base cards I'm excited about because Riley Green's too expensive to buy right now. So if I pull him, I'm always happy because I'm holding that. He's going to be a stud for the Tigers very soon when he comes back. So uh, I'm very excited to to kind of follow along. That's why I like ripping the 2019 draft because a lot of those guys are on the cusp. That's yeah. CJ Abrams. That's Adley Rutschman. Uh, that's, that's a lot of different guys that are impacting the game. Bryson Stott. Uh, yep. A lot of different up and coming players that I think that's going to be looked at as an extremely talented draft class. Brett Beatty as well. Yep. Um, Corbin Carroll. I could go on and on. It's a, it's a sick class. Riley Green, close to coming back. You just mentioned Adley Rutschman. Uh, he just got assigned to double A along with DL Hall. So he and uh, DL Hall are going to be Bowie Bay Sox for a little bit. Looks like Adley is going to be knocking on the door and uh, he'll join the, uh, the big cats in Baltimore very hey, soon. Hey, the Orioles are going to get better. And, uh, until the Red Sox call up Tristan Casas, I don't I don't know how they can really galvanize that offense too much. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, the Orioles, you can see it coming together, right, man? I mean, you bring Adley up, you bring Grayson up. They still have some work to do, but you can see the pieces there now. This is a watchable team, and they're getting there. They're, um, and, they're and absolutely. That's fun. Hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, that's all. That's all we got this time. Peter usually plugs all the socials. Uh, Twitter, we're, we're live tweeting through all of the games at Just BB Media. So keep up over there. Join our chalkboard. And then again, reminder, if you could download that Loop app, extremely helpful to us. Loop.card slash Just Baseball or use that link in the description so they know that we sent you. That's it for me. I think that's it for me. There we go. Thanks for the social plugs. Uh, me and you will be back to talk ball tomorrow. Peter is uh, under the weather at the moment. So we are going to uh, carry the torch while Peter is uh, 
laying in bed and might have the thermometer in his mouth, you know, like the classic, like I'm <laughs> sick, that type of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, he's not feeling great. So yeah, Peter, arm and I tomorrow. Feel better, Pete. Feel yeah, better, Pete. There we go. See you guys.